Hey everybody, welcome to a surprise retro review uh, for The Many Saints of Newark. The Sopranos story, or the Sopranos prequel, I guess you could call it, either way. Um, I'm doing this as a part of the Sopranos series uh, review that I'm doing that will release sporadically over the course of the next uh, year. And I decided after watching the show um, that I wanted to watch the prequel or the spinoff prequel, whatever you want to call it. And um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I have some complaints, but I mean, with movies and whatnot, the joy of having an opinion... Um, who doesn't about just about anything. So, uh, why don't we get into it? So, um, when I first turned this on, I was actually very surprised to hear, um, Chris Maltesanti's voice, um, kind of opening up the movie there. They had this pan of the, uh, cemetery that ended on, um, Chris's grave um, and then from there, there was a little bit of an introduction where Chris introduced the audience in a way um, to um, Tony and says, that's the man who killed me, you know, choked me to death. Um, so I thought that was thoroughly interesting. And it was kind of interesting just right off the bat to see Tony with Dickie. Because Tony, if you watch the show, was um, that was his hero was Dickie Malasanti, Chris's father. Um, you know, uh, Tony doesn't so as you know doesn't as much come out and say it, but others around him do. You know, they mention him frequently. Carmela uh, mentions mentions him. Um, uh, Silvio, Paulie, Pussy, all those guys, um, bring them up in the old times and whatnot. So you really get to, um, when you start watching this, you really get excited to know like what's, what about him? Did they, you know, admire who was this person? Was he actually somebody to regard as a hero or an idol or was he, kind of really not that much uh, of anything. Was he just kind of, you know, playing this part type thing? So that was interesting. Um, I did find it kind of humorous about the Chris Maltesanti intro. Um, I was just thrilled because Chris was my favorite character. Um, Scenes with uh, Michael Imperioli as Chris, um, I thought were some of the best in the show. And seeing him kind of climb the ranks and try to make a name for himself was always, uh, I always found very interesting. Um, even his little gripes with like Polly Walnuts and all that, that was, that was interesting. So, um, he's the one character that throughout, I was like, I, you know, really do love this character. I was sad to see how it turned out with, you know, him being killed by, um, Tony's hand, but you know, at the same time, it's like Chris wasn't kind of walking the straight road. Like he claimed to have been with the drugs and alcohol, things like that. And the realization that he, 
you know, if the his kid was with him, the kid would be dead. Um, Tony, in his own way, handing out that execution was, you know, borderline understandable in that fictional kind of world, but also, you know, more so, I would say, um, crazy. Uh, just because of, you know, you want Chris to work things out and things like that. And he saw that, you know, that's never going to happen. So he almost prevented a much larger problem, um, which in turn could affect his, you know, criminal empire. So um, he did what he had to do. Uh, The introduction of the characters were pretty great. Uh, John Barenthal as Johnny Soprano. Corey Stahl as Junior, who I think did one of the best. Everybody who played a character that was in the show, um, who had extended scenes, the Juniors, the Pussy, the Silvio, the Polly Walnuts, um, all hit him out of the park. Not a single one of them, I think, dropped the ball at all. Um, even uh, uh, James Gandolfini's son, who plays... Tony Soprano, like a teenage Tony Soprano. He was great. I mean, you know, there's one scene in particular when they're at that warehouse and Tony's being gifted speakers and he's talking to Dickie. You really do see the resemblance in James and his son, which I thought would was eerie, but in the like best way, I guess. Um, he did a fantastic job too, but, uh, Corey Stoll, who plays Junior, like the mannerisms. And like I said, everybody does their character justice. Every single one of them does their character justice. Vera Famiga, who plays um, Livia, she's great. And you can kind of see the, um, the you know, where the trouble starts kind of thing, where you're like, oh, well, she's always been kind of, you know, nuts. Excuse me, but with um, Junior, it's kind of funny because when Junior takes that fall at um, um, Dickie's father's funeral or uh, might have been a different funeral that I'm thinking of, um, his reaction to it is like how I would imagine the actor who played Junior in the show would have acted. Like it's a spot on reaction. And the swearing and stuff like that, that's great. It's hits on all cylinders. It hits every mark. It's fantastic. That's one of the best parts of the show is the characters and the and the little callbacks or call would they be call forwards if they're prequels, whatever. Um, but like with Silvio and Pussy's introduction, that was great. Uh, finding out that Silvio's hair was indeed like a hairpiece or a wig. Um, that was shocking. Cause like I said, in the pilot episode review, I'm not sure that they ever mentioned that. And I don't really see him, you know, with it not on. So, you know, unless I missed something, I could have missed something. I'm going to rewatch it. So I'll know, but it's crazy. It's his, his mannerisms are spot on as well. You know, the little, you know, the shrug of the shoulders with the, the motions with his hands and the, the way he speaks. And even if you look at like the character poster for the actor who plays Silvio, it says like that 
is Silvio, like that photo in itself. And then the guy who play, you know, Pussy, uh, it, you know, he's talkative, but he he'd probably be the um, less like his character only because I don't feel like he got as many opportunities to kind of stand out. But he did get a lot of opportunities to look like the muscle. So um, he had that going for him. But he didn't really have a whole lot of character quirks because he wasn't in, he was found out to be an informer in the show. So you really don't, you know, we don't see how he became an informant. We don't see um, even any, like, real references to that. So, um, you know, maybe he didn't get as, as much time to shine, but the characters that really stood out in the show who were rightfully in the show longer because of Pussy's fate, uh, the Silvios, the Polly Walnuts, um, that I thought was really interesting. And Polly, that's the best part, was the guy who played Polly, Billy um, Magnuson. Don't really know how to say his name correctly. I should probably learn that. His mannerisms, I think, are just like his performance, his take on the character is probably the best. Um, with Junior right behind, and then right behind Junior, or even tied with Junior, would be Silvio. Um, but there's a part where they're like eating dinner and, uh, or they're at a club rather and they're sitting at the table and then, um, uh, one of Dickie's, um, I guess friends comes over. He's played by, um, let's see if I can get his name. I forgot how interesting these um, gangster movies can be with all the characters. Uh, Leslie Odom plays um, Harold when he shows up and uh, Billy does the, you know, Hey, like we're, you know, can't you see we're sitting here or we're eating or whatever. And he does a little point where, but he points with like his pointer finger and his pinky, which Polly does in the show just about seems like, every time he's shown on screen in every episode. So, um, that was really interesting. And there's a part where later on they met, they, uh, rough up and eventually kill one of Harold's, um, friends. And in doing so, uh, they put a, um, like a, power tool with a, like a lug nut at the end of it, into the guy's mouth and they turn it on and the blood gets all over Polly's uh, new jacket, which he had mentioned when they grabbed the guy and slammed him on the table before they did this, a, hey, you know, Dickie, this is brand new. This is a brand new jacket. And he, once he gets blood all over it, he starts freaking out, which I found fucking hilarious. Um, but there is another part where they're eating dinner and, Somebody asked Polly to grab something and Polly grabs it in a way. And, you know, Polly's got the napkin tucked um, into his shirt and he's grabbing this. It's like a pepper shaker or something like that. And he's the, it's just funny because he's still kind of like big on appearances. Like he never really changed or that, that was literally his character the entire, you know, this entire um, 
in this entire world, you know, the whole time was he was really charismatic, but into his own looks. So I just thought that was funny as hell. Um, one of the best parts of the entire movie, though, I do have to say, is the flashback from Tony's childhood um, that is played in an episode in the show is played out in this movie um, with the same dialogue and everything. Uh, Johnny and Junior are arrested um, at this fair. You know, he keeps Johnny keeps taking Janice. Tony wants to go, but he doesn't want to bring Tony for whatever reason. And Tony gets into the trunk. They get there, and then he, you know, gets out and watches, waits for his dad, who gets eventually arrested. Um, so that was that was interesting, an interesting um, moment in kind of again callback to the show, which I found very interesting, and I found it so cool that they, you know, decided to kind of. Uh, put that in there because it is an important part. Um, Johnny goes away for a little bit because of a um, unrelated crime that he was on the hook for, um, which I don't know what they touched on in the show because I thought he was released almost immediately in the show. Um, or maybe, you know, they released him, but of course, you know, there's trials and stuff like that. So it might have been, I mean, made more sense. Uh, Arthur being introduced in the show, he's on the train, uh, bus with Tony, young Tony, uh, talking about, you know, oh, my dad's going to make me take over the restaurant. I thought that was interesting. Um, especially when they're hitting these cigarettes and they're like not even 10 or so. Um, but that was the time, I guess. Um, but overall the show or the movie was a little bit, uh, was a little bit frustrating for me because I know I knew f- early on that it was not a Tony Soprano movie. It was a, you know, Dickie Maltesanti movie. It was about Dickie, not about Tony. And I understood that, but at the same time, it much like the show, it really didn't have like that typical arc almost it but it wasn't by any way bad or miss you know you know you miss things here or there but it didn't have a whole lot um um didn't have a whole lot missing um but i just i i wanted kind of like a resolution and there was that part at the end which we'll get into that i was kind of surprised i didn't um do more with or explain more but then again you know with the show's ending it was like i'm happy to get anything (laughs) so um a couple things that stand out was uh dickie passing the national guard after the riots break out you know he's got his dad in the passenger seat dead hunched over and the i had this big you know oh shit moment when he's trying to get someplace and he passes the National Guard, um, who basically, you know, wave him past, even though they've got, I mean, they sure they don't know, but like there's a dead body in the passenger seat, and but they have bigger things to worry about. 
the next thing I thought was really telling was in a kind of a cool callback type Easter egg was um, Chris Maltesanti's debut in the movie as a baby. Um, and the interaction that him and Tony have where, you know, he starts talking to Christopher and he starts crying, you know, he calls him Christopher, not Chris. Everybody's like, Oh, here's Chris. And so he starts, Christopher starts crying and Tony's like, I don't get this man. Like he does this every time I see him. Like, Oh, don't, you know, don't be, uh, don't be sad. I'm your uncle Tony. And then, you know, this older relative who's sitting next to him is like, you know, they say babies can tell a lot of things um, because they've seen the other side. And it was kind of like, oh, shit, kind of like cool little um, callback slash silly bit of lore. Uh, But that was probably one of my favorite parts. Um, I already talked about Vera Farmiga playing Mrs. Soprano. She does great um, as Olivia. Um, just like I said with the other characters, she really stands out and it's kind of funny to see her flip out at a, just about anything. Um, Polly and Silvio are some of the best parts of the show because of the mannerisms and things like that. Um, it's, it's really cool to see the beginnings of characters or like an earlier, you know, telling of the character, kind of like Janice, you know, Janice in the show who I find her character very annoying and not really helpful to the overall plot or narrative. Um, you know, she has a lot in this, not, not a whole lot, but she has enough where you're like, you know, she, you can see that she's present, like she's around. Um, so that's, that was pretty telling. I could not stand the Janice character, but we'll get into that when I do the show. Um, but I guess I want to get into mostly the story. Um, again, I watched this after I watched the show. Now the show I lost, there was some moments or some episodes in later seasons that I, uh, missed out on. I was either watching them, before bed, fall asleep, or some of them I'll get caught up in other things, whether it was network stuff or, you know, class at the time. Uh, but I do plan on rewatching everything just in case I missed anything. And I am going to be reviewing just about every episode. So uh, I will hopefully get caught up with everything and have the full lore down. Uh, I am listening to the companion podcast with Steve Sharippa and, um, uh, Michael Imperioli uh, already listened to the first episode of that and I bought a book full of Sopranos um, essays that people have written so I'm looking forward to reading those too I just love excuse me just love doing um, reviews on certain genres especially the mob genre we have so many tellings of similar stories now the show is a lot different than this movie because it deals more with um well, I guess you could say the simula- you start with the sim- similarities. It deals a lot with, you know, Dickie dealing with his family, you know, his home life and the family. You know, what he's going to do leading this family, things like that. His problems with Harold. Um, but, like, Tony didn't really have that. I guess you could say 
um, um, that one other family leader, um, sacri- sacrimony. I think it was sacrimony. Um, I guess you could say he was kind of Tony's foil, um, because he wasn't very. I mean, he was helpful at first, but then it kind of you know the relationship became strained. Um, and then Phil Leotardo taking over that kind of put the nail in the coffin. Um, but you have a lot of interchangeable kind of parts from the movie and the show. So they were, they felt similar or they felt very much alike. Um, in, you know, it was just familiar. It was, Oh, this feels like the show because of what they're dealing with. You know, Dickie's got a, uh, a relationship outside of his marriage. You know, he's trying to get her um, a salon, things like that. And then Tony kind of has a similar situation, but his side pieces don't really need help in the professions department. From what I remember, the first one kind of, they got, you know, did away from, and then one was a car salesman, things like that. Um, but it, that part was interesting. The part that it kind of bugs me was there was no real meat to this movie. There was a lot of, maybe I was just excited to see characters that I'm familiar with, but like, um, I was expecting kind of like a more of a war, you know, more with, Dickie versus Harold and things like that. But it wasn't, I didn't see that. I just, you know, but then again, you didn't get that in the show. There wasn't like gunfights galore or anything. It was very rare that there was one, but I was expecting to see more because maybe it's a film and you think they're going to cram a little bit more in, but they didn't. But that's not to say that it was bad by any means. It was just, um, I was expecting more, you know, more character arcs, but at the same time, when you think about the Sopranos, you're like, who really goes through an arc? I mean, even Chris says it. You know, what's my arc? You know, people change, things like that. Um, but the the biggest part of the movie that really got me was Dickie's death. Now, in the show, if you remember, the show, you're led to believe that Dickie was killed by a police officer outside of his home. Uh, and Chris says, you know, Tony and Chris are exchanging stories and Chris is like, you know, uh, was it true that he was carrying my crib uh, or trying to unload my crib from the car? And Tony's like, I, I don't remember exactly what Tony said, but it was kind of crazy to see this moment play out in the movie Um and it's even more of a shock when you realize it's um, Junior. Junior is behind the the killing of Dickie, not Harold. Um, and it was just really a shocking moment. I mean, Dickie's death, even though I was expecting it, I wasn't, it was very sudden and, you know, it was shocking, obviously. Um, but to see like, you know, you're, you're wondering when you see it, well, 
who was it? Now, it wasn't a cop. It looked, you know, it didn't look like a cop. It could have been off, you know, um, you know, off-duty cop, maybe somebody in the mob. But you find out it was a guy that was hired by um, Junior. As, you know, Junior gets to a payphone, it's ringing, and, they, and he picks up, and the guy says it's been, it's done. And it was a shock. You know, this whole time... And, you know, watch this whole show, and it's Junior is behind Dickie's death, not this other cop. So, but I I, I, I kind of got annoyed because if that's the case, why did Tony need the cop killed? Or was it, like, just a proving uh, moment for Chris? That's the only thing I can, I can think of. It was a moment for him to prove himself. So, um, it was... It was a shock. And then um, I couldn't think of, is this ending, when I first watched it, was the ending a good ending or was it a bad ending? And I think I've come to the conclusion that it was a great ending, uh, one of the best endings that you could have, you know, with Dickie um, in his coffin. You know, this is all imaginary imaginary but you know he extends his pinky finger uh and then tony meets him and um you know they cross cross fingers with the slow beat or the low beat of the sopranos entrance music entrance music intro music playing and then there's chris um chris narrating again because uh, he narrates throughout the film at different moments. He even, I think, calls Tony a pussy because um, Tony got caught cheating on a test. Um, but, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, so I thought it was an, a great ending because, I mean, you know how the show goes. So you know where it's heading. Um, and this only adds to kind of the greatness of that world or that... Yeah, that and the characters that David Chase created and all that. So uh, it, it grew on me. Now, the post credit scene with Harold, I really thought it was going to end a different way. And I'm really interested to know what happened to the Harold character. Maybe I missed something in the show, but I don't see why he would be mentioned in the show. But um, I guess I could do some reading and find that part out. Um, but anyway, I mean, this, this, this movie was definitely interesting, um, in terms of like the, the genre of gangster films, especially when it's attached to a show. Um, but the, you know, line between show and movies is kind of blurred nowadays, but, uh, I'm going to get to my, I need to get to my rating because I've been dying to get to my rating. So, I'll do best scene, best line, and best shot. So best scene, I have the scene, that flashback scene. That's kind of the, and to me, the best best part of the film, just because it's that is the point where the show and the movie completely intertwine. Um is that scene with the at the amusement park 
where Johnny Soprano is arrested along with Junior. And I just, you know, it was a, a very interesting scene. And I loved the scene in the show. It's one of the scenes in the show that stood out to me, too. Because flashback scenes can either, you know, complicate things or flesh things out. And I think they did a great job of fleshing things out. So um, seeing that again was pretty cool. My favorite line. Now, I couldn't think of a favorite line. Um, I, I thought about it. And I, there were so many funny lines. Like even the the line, the callback lines with... Junior saying Tony doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete, which triggered him in the show. And I think it's said a couple times in the movie as well. Um, that was pretty funny, but I don't know if that's like the scene or the line you want to take away from it. Um, and it was, I guess, Oh, if I'm going through other lines, I'm having trouble coming up with one. There was one where Tony gets caught with the cheating on the test and he's talking, you know, the teacher's talking to, the principal's talking to, oh no, she's a guidance counselor. I think she's a guidance counselor. Um, is talking to uh, Livia and says, you know, Tony's got t- Tony's got leadership capabilities. And it's kind of funny because you know where Tony goes from here. So seeing that was or hearing that was pretty funny too. But um, I guess the one that stands out the most more than others is, um the one where you know tony is talking to chris and the lady says you know the baby know you know babies know things from the other side cuz there wasn't really anything that i thought was like oh my god like that's a um that motivational line was like great or you know things like that so that was kind of a the the scene or the line that I took from it that stands out the most knowing their relationship uh, between Chris and Tony. My favorite shot. I couldn't really think of one other than um, the shots of like um, Polly Walnuts eating and, you know, he's doing the, the pointing and things like that. And there wasn't anything in terms of like, I mean, all, all the, sh- the, the, the shots are like interesting, but there was the, the cinematography solid, but there isn't anything where I'm like, Oh my God, like this, I always look for like an artsy shot. I couldn't really find one. I guess the various shots of driving you could say is one, but, um, you know, there isn't really anything that stands out too much. Um, other than maybe, you know, Harold's on that street that's being ransacked. That was an interesting shot. Um, the ones with the, um, shoot. Uh, the riots that was pretty shocking or you could even say the Chris Maltasanti intro part where they, you know it settles on his grave the camera settles on his grave uh, you could say that is too so um, there's a whole lot to take from it but um, 
I'd say that's probably um, kind of more ambiguous in terms of what I could select. Um, it's a little difficult, I guess. I guess I should rewatch it. I've only rewatched it like three times. Um, but there's plenty of great shots in the movie. So, uh, rating, what am I going to give this rating wise? Now I've had some issues with, um, giving things ratings, uh, changing my criteria because I think I was being a little too, uh, lenient. Um, I would probably give this somewhere, uh, like a 30 out of 50. Uh, yeah, I'd say 30, 35, 35. Cause the, the characters is what carries this movie for me. Um, so it would be a little bit higher if it had a little more that I wanted to see that, which is a selfish thing to say, but it definitely would have gotten, um, a higher rating, but it, I think anything under 30 is bad. Anything over 30, uh, I think is, is solid. So, uh, I definitely think if you're watching the Sopranos, you need to watch the movie. Do I think you need to watch it before? No, I think this is one of those rare occasions where you should watch the prequel after the show because, you know, you're only going to get confused or, um, understand it more, or I should say, you know, you're gonna understand it much better if you see it after the show. Cause you know, the poly walnuts parts, the Silvio parts, things like that. So, uh, but definitely go check it out. It's definitely worth the watch. Um, it's on as of this re- recording, um, couple days out from January 1st of the, the new year 24 it's on HBO and I think I saw it on Hulu too. Um, but if you get a chance, maybe even watch the movie over the show or maybe watch the movie because you want to dabble in the show. I don't know, but it's definitely worth the watch and it's definitely an interesting, um, dive into the mobster genre, gangster genre. So that does it for this review of uh, The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, Thank you for staying and listening. And check out our episodes on The Sopranos, which we'll release over the course of the year at random. I'm hoping to keep them all within a year. I don't know if I can do that any longer. (laughs) Uh, If you like this review, we have past episodes uh, that I'm sure you'll enjoy. And we have a lot more planned for the new year. So thank you for sticking by. And uh, as always, stay tuned.